0: All the
2: blood. All the pain. All the blood. All the pain.
1: Hey, Crime Salad listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. I'm Ricky. And we're your hosts, Ashley and Ricky.
0: I'm Ricky. And I'm Ricky. <laughs> is,
1: that all you, is that all you're supposed to say? That's all
0: that's on the script.
1: Okay. <laughs> you're an idiot. Okay, hold on, stop.
0: We're back again. <laughs> we just keep showing up.
1: <laughs> we just keep showing up. Every Wednesday, yep, that's for sure. All right. Well,
0: let's jump into this week's episode. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait.
1: Hit the brakes. Oh, arr! Uh, arr!
0: Patreon
1: supporters. We have, two, we have two patrons to shout out. We have...
0: Tiffany and Brittany. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you guys for your support. We really appreciate it. Oh, and oh. if you would like to leave us a five-star review, please do. It really helps our ratings, and it helps people find our show. All right. So let's jump into this week's episode. Now, the case that we're covering this week has some similarities to last week's case, the case of Ingrid Line. It's scary to think that there's so many predators out there right now, all over the internet, trying to lure in their victims every day. And it seems that their tool for this is the use of online dating apps. Honestly, is there any way to know who you really swiped right to? Evil is often disguised, but Maybe we can try to be one step ahead of these predators who think that they can get away with taking advantage of someone who is innocently just looking for love. So we came across Tinder's safety tips on their website. So we thought it would be appropriate to share a few. Don't be in a rush. Meet in public and stay in public. Tell friends and family about your plans. Be in control of your transportation. And know your limits. I feel like we hear this one a lot. Don't leave drinks or personal items unattended. If you feel uncomfortable, leave. So those are obvious, but it's always good to keep those in your back pocket. I think that was enough mom talk. And before we jump in, just a warning, this is a true crime podcast. So some content that we will discuss may disturb some listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Okay, let's jump into this week's show.
3: You're under arrest for the murder of Grace Mullane on or about the 2nd of December. You understand? Yep. Did you intend to cause her
2: death?
3: No. Are you ready to take us to where she is? Yeah.
1: Imagine you book a backpacking trip with plans to travel around the world. Everything is in place for your travel, and you've made your way to a different country. The biggest city in New Zealand, Auckland. It's quite beautiful there, by the way. Definitely on my list of places to visit. And you meet a man on Tinder in his late 20s. He seems pretty successful and charming. He intrigues you enough to go out to get a drink. What the heck? You're in New Zealand, a beautiful place, and it seems like it's offering a bit more. Grace Mullane, who was a day away from being 22 years old, met a charming man who was gaining her trust more and more throughout the night after he continuously bought her drinks. Things seemed to have been going great, and charisma was his secret weapon. His name is Jesse Kempson, a man who is described as a sociopath and a narcissist. He liked to control women and created lies and made up stories to get closer with them, one being that he had a law degree And that his family owns a chain of restaurants. Attractive things that might make you think, wow, he must be important. But these were just a few lies we came across. He kept a darkness well hidden if you didn't know him very well. Those that knew him didn't have nice things to say about this man. He was known to make people feel uncomfortable. A roommate of his would sleep with a knife under the pillow. Another person said that he seemed to have a short temper, especially when drunk and that he was a compulsive liar, always trying to make himself look better. Grace was born on December 2nd, 1996. She was very outgoing and driven. She loved music and hockey, and she was originally from Essex in the UK. She had been studying at the University of Lincoln in England, and received her undergraduate degree in advertising and marketing in September of 2018. Hard work really does pay off, and with that being said, a celebration was in order. She allowed herself to take the opportunity to travel before having to get a job right out of college. Grace had dreams of traveling, and she made it happen. Grace was heading on a backpacking trip of a lifetime, what many of us, me included, wish we could do. Grace first headed to South America, leaving on October 26, 2018, posting pictures of her adventures in Peru before heading to New Zealand and arriving to Auckland on November 30th. She was staying at a hostel called Base Backpackers and her roommates there reported that the last time they saw her was on December 1st. Her birthday eve which was the night she went on this tinder date with jesse Kempson. now it was quite alarming when grace who was often giving her family updates about her trip texting and calling like crazy the entire time didn't respond to the text that she received the next day from her friends and family as they were wishing her a happy 22nd birthday How absolutely gut-wrenching that would have been to know that your daughter or your friend is in another country and is not answering. You would be thinking the worst. But another part of you may be thinking, maybe she lost her phone or her phone died. Maybe she just doesn't have service. Maybe she's just on a trip. Maybe she's busy. I can't even imagine the level of concern her friends and family had for her at this moment because you're thinking the worst. But hoping for the best. The family gave it a few days, and on December 5th, they reported her missing to the Uckland police. She had a few phones with her. The phones had been going straight to voicemail, and she hadn't updated any of her social media accounts. Interestingly enough, Grace was messaging her friend through Facebook that night, gushing over the Tinder date, Her message read, I click with him so well. No one could have guessed that this was the last time they would hear from Grace. So what in the world happened? And she still had some of her belongings at this hostel she was staying at. So it's not like she packed up and left. Something wasn't right. And to her friends and family, it was uncharacteristic of her not to reply almost immediately to anyone who was reaching out to her. But we begin tonight with a public appeal for missing British backpacker Grace Mullane. A short time ago, police held a press conference to appeal for sightings of the 22-year-old, who has not been seen since 7.15pm on Saturday night. The alarm was raised when Grace's family in the UK couldn't make contact with her for her birthday last Sunday. Police say her father Declan is on his way to New Zealand, and more than 20 staff have now been assigned to the case. At this point, the investigation begins. One of the amazing things we found during the research of this case is the CCTV footage that was captured. I have never looked into a case and found this much CCTV footage that was available. It's mind-blowing. If only other countries would just see how much this evidence played a part in this case. I mean, just think about how many cases would actually be solved by simply adding more cameras in public places. We've covered cases that have had fake cameras at parks. Or like the Missy Beaver's case, we can't even see who is actually in that church with her when she got killed. Now, investigators had to watch hours of footage to piece together the timeline, totaling close to six terabytes of footage, a timeline of that night where Grace was going and where she ended up. And all of this was used as evidence against Jesse. Within 24 hours of her being reported missing, investigators released a photo from the captured CCTV footage, hoping to get anyone to come forward. In this photo, Grace was seen at a bar called Sky City around 7.15 p.m. At this point in the investigation, police were expecting to talk to people who were there that night, but more so, review more footage. 20 investigators were all hands on deck, doing all that they could, and thankfully investigators were getting closer to answers after hours of following Grace that night. Grace's dad, David Mullane, flew in from the UK, desperately asking the public for any help in describing Grace as a wonderful person. Sadly, her mother, Jillian Mullane, was recovering from surgery due to cancer at the time of this horrible event and had to stay in the UK.
2: Thank you, for, thank you for coming today, as you know Grace has been missing for several days, we last had contact with her on Saturday the 1st of December and as a family we've been extremely concerned for her welfare, Grace is a lovely, outgoing, fun loving, family orientated daughter Grace has never been out of contact for this amount of time. She's usually in daily contact with either her mother, myself, her two brothers, members of the family on social media. I don't know if you know but Grace is on a year-long worldwide overseas experience. Grace started this travel journey in Peru, in South America and at the end of this was really looking forward to the second leg in New Zealand. She arrived here on the 20th of November and has been bombarding us with numerous photographs and messages of our adventures. We're all extremely upset, and it's very difficult at this time to fully describe the range of emotions we are going through.
1: As police followed Grace on the footage that was captured, she was seen leaving the hostel at 5.37 p.m. that Saturday night, and took a small two-minute walk to a bar called Sky City. Before going into the bar, Miss Mullane waits outside of the building in an area surrounded by Christmas trees. It looks to be a place people go to when visiting the city as friends and family were admiring the decorations and pretty lights. Grace arrives just a few minutes early and is standing off to the side. She is then approached by a guy at 5.45 p.m. who walks up to her and gives her a gentle hug. This was her date for the night. This was Jesse Kempson. They both walked into Sky City and had a few drinks and made their way to another bar called Mexican Cafe and then to the Blue Stone Room around 8.30 p.m. They grabbed a small table big enough for the two of them. As they sat there talking, he grabs the back of her head, bringing her in for a close kiss, then wraps his arm around her. If you were there at the bar that night, maybe it looked like it was just a passionate kiss with some alcohol involved. But this guy is sickening to watch, because we already know his intentions. Jesse left to use the restroom, and in the footage, Grace is seen quickly picking up her phone from her purse. This is when she sends the message to her friend back home in England that she clicked with this guy very well. He's an oil manager. He lives in a hotel. He comes back from the restroom and sits down at the table, At one point, she leaves the table, and he is seen looking through her purse. What was the reasoning of this? Was he checking to see if she had any weapons or pepper spray? Whatever the reason, it just gives us more of a reason to hate this guy. Around 9.40 at night, the final moments of grace were seen with Jesse walking into the City Life Hotel. She enters the elevator, and you can clearly see on her face she was happy and excited to spend the night with the seemingly perfect guy. How heartbreaking. I wish I could just jump through this computer screen and tell her not to go, but really just eats me away is seeing grace on the cctv footage clearly enjoying herself glowing having an amazing birthday eve celebration thinking this guy is amazing while this monster was most likely planning his actions the whole night
3: part of our investigation we have reviewed hours and hours of cctv footage and this will continue throughout the weekend we now have the last known sighting of Grace at 9.41pm on Saturday the 1st of December at the City Life Hotel with a male companion. Police have identified this man and he has been spoken to. Through our investigations we have also identified a location of interest and apartment in the City Life Hotel in Queen Street.
1: This is when police released information about how Grace was last seen walking into this hotel and entering the elevator, but she was never seen walking out. Jesse, on the other hand, was seen leaving and returning back to the hotel a number of times the next day. He started the morning early and went to the store to purchase a large suitcase
0: So Jesse Kempson was a man overflowing with lies. Lies he told anyone. Friends, family, women. Just to make himself seem more interesting than he actually was. And just to name a few of these lies, he claimed that he had terminal cancer and that he was a cancer survivor. He said that his parents were dead. And that his cousin plays for the All Blacks, which is the New Zealand national rugby team. And he even told people that he was a CIA agent. But in reality, he actually struggled to hold down jobs. And his family pretty much stopped talking to him because of that, his constant lies. Surprisingly, and I say that with sarcasm, Jesse was fired from his job the day that he met Grace. As a child, he was raised partially by his grandparents, after his parents split up, and he didn't see much of his family after that. Okay, back to the night with Grace, though. Jesse said that they both parted ways on the street that night, and that Jesse was attempting to message Grace on Tinder the next day, but she unmatched him. But Jesse's lies wouldn't be able to get him out of this, when clear CCTV evidence shows that Grace never left the hotel that night. So it was now the morning after the Tinder date, on December 2nd, Grace's birthday. The CCTV footage was starting to piece together the full picture. Jesse is seen leaving his room and entering an elevator of the hotel. The next location that he would go is a store to buy a suitcase. He brought it back to the hotel and throughout the day, he continued to leave the hotel and then come back. He was on a mission that day and was pretty much busy the entire day. He was then seen taking trips to different stores at different times, buying cleaning supplies. He was even seen at a car rental place and rented a car. And I wonder what type of small talk he had with these people when he bought his cleaning supplies and rented a car. It seems with his lies that he always had something interesting to say. He's then seen going to the dry cleaners and buying a shovel with cash. And even though he's a great liar, I don't think he can lie his way out of this one with all of the footage. This guy is seriously so sickening on so many levels. And I apologize if your blood boils like mine did. I mean, everything you're going to learn in this case is just going to piss you off more and more. Well, it just so happens cleaning up a murder wasn't the only plan Jesse had that day. Around 4 p.m., he went on another Tinder date. And if you think that's messed up, the things Jesse was saying during this date were even more strange. He went on to tell her that his friends were cops and they were looking for a body in the Waitakere Ranges. He also mentioned how police dogs can't smell a body that's been buried more than four feet under the ground. And that's pretty strange small talk for a first date, don't you agree? In an interview, his second date explains that she felt this was his way of processing what he had done and what could happen to him if he were to get caught. He said, it's crazy how a guy can make one mistake and go to jail for the rest of his life. And what really creeped me out was the story he told about a guy he knew who had consensual rough sex with his girlfriend. And the girl ended up being strangled to death. He went on to say how it was just an accident and the guy was really upset. But now he's in jail for the rest of his life. And with all of what he told her, this created a pretty strange and scary experience for a first date. And obviously the date was completely creeped out because she decided, I gotta go. I gotta go right now. She leaves, and she's finally free. But then, shockingly, she sees that she parked in the same location as he did. But to avoid Jesse at all costs, she walks in the opposite direction. She doesn't even want to deal with this guy or take any more chances. She feels that she's narrowly made her way out already. And after all of this, the calm, seemingly not worried Jesse was seen renting a carpet scrubber because he spilled wine in his apartment. He brought it up to his room and he left the hotel again. But this time, he left the hotel with two suitcases that he had loaded up on a hotel cart. The next morning, he got an early start, a little before 7 a.m. He left to go to the store to buy a shovel, And in the footage, he's seen buying something else. Maybe screws. Whatever it was, it seems he was putting more focus on the screws and not so much attention on the shovel. And what's suspicious is he's purchasing a shovel and he lives in a hotel. Like, what need does he have for a shovel, right? After leaving the hardware store, Jesse drove off in the rental car. It's believed this is when he buried the suitcases because after he left the hardware store, he wasn't seen again for two and a half hours. So now it's 9.30 p.m., and he visits the dry cleaners, dumps his garbage in different garbage cans around the area, and washes his car at a car wash. In the footage, he's seen opening up the trunk and washing something that he takes out from the trunk, something small enough that you could hold in your hand. And then on December 5th, he was seen throwing away more things in public trash cans at the park. And what's important here is this was the same day that police searched the hotel Jesse was staying at. And then they brought him in for questioning. So Jesse is now sitting face-to-face with an officer. He was now a person of interest. But at this point, that's all he was. And suspecting the worst, police needed more information on Jesse. They decided they didn't have time to listen to his story, so they were going to go straight to DNA evidence.
3: With this young girl missing, disappearing, yep. and we're very, very concerned for her safety. Obviously. Yep. Um, it's entirely possible that she's been the victim of foul play. Okay. You understand what that means? Yeah. What would your feelings be about providing us with a voluntary DNA sample in the event
2: that we can compare
3: that against something? Would you be
2: happy? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I know I haven't done anything wrong, so I'm happy to do it. Okay.
3: At this stage, we don't know what's happened to this girl. Okay. Um, it's possible that somebody has killed her. Okay. You okay. Understand that? Yeah. She might. She might. When I say foul play, I mean that someone might have murdered her. Understand? Yep. She may be alive and well. Okay. But she might also be dead. Okay. okay? And it could be that you've done it. Okay. That's what we need to investigate. Yep.
0: The officer left the room, leaving Jesse by himself. Jesse gets up and knocks on the door.
2: Hey, I just want to ask a question. <laughs> Am I being arrested for something I didn't do? You'ven't been
0: arrested. Oh. No. oh. That was a close one for the sly Jesse. And I can't help but mention, this guy is wearing formal clothes, like dress pants, dress shirt, and a vest, with no formal place to go except the police department for questioning. And it's kind of strange, because honestly, there's only a few places I would actually go that I would change out of my sweatpants and a hoodie. Now on the same day, police searched the apartment with the use of luminal, revealing spots of blood which had been smeared like someone tried to wipe them up. And bloody footprints from these spots were found on the carpet glowing. It was now December 7th, and Jesse was brought into the police station again and asked to tell them what happened. He explained that Grace and him began to have sex, which was normal at first, and then she asked him if they could get into bondage and asked him to start choking her. He then claims that all he remembers is falling asleep in the shower. He then wakes up the next morning thinking Grace had left, but instead, he finds her lifeless body on the floor. (laughs) This is when the emotional sob begins, as Jesse begins to tell the remainder of the story. He explains everything about what they found on CCTV, and he admits it all. He then tells them about a hole he dug, and admits that this is where he buried the suitcase containing Grace's body. And honestly, it's, it's hard to believe that he feels any remorse for taking Grace's life. But more so, he's honestly just sorry for himself. However, he just didn't have it in him to confess to the murder of Grace Malene. Did she have any injuries?
2: Not that I can remember. I was just panicking.
3: Did you inflict any injuries on her that caused her to die? Uh, no. Did you kill Grace Mullane? No. OK. And you're under arrest for the murder of Grace Mullane on or about the 2nd of December? Do you understand?
2: Yep. Did you intend to cause her death? No.
3: Okay. Are you ready to take us to where she is?
0: But while he claimed that he was sleeping in the shower while the water was running, there were Google searches that contradict that poor excuse of not knowing what happened. That sob story that he had, that he was in shock and didn't know what to do, at 1.29 a.m., his phone records show searches for Waitakere Ranges, which is about 20 minutes away from Uckland. Newshub explained in an article, this location has a dark history of being the dumping grounds for bodies of murder victims. On December 8th, Grace's body was found at this location, stuffed inside, naked, in a fetal position, a suitcase 30 feet from the road. To go back on some CCTV footage, seeing him wheeling the hotel cart with two suitcases stacked on top of each other, and then entering the elevator so calmly after he just stuffed her lifeless body into the small suitcase. And remember, this is the day after giving Grace an amazing night, looking into her eyes and making her feel so special and so alive. It's just, honestly, it's one of the sickest things I've ever witnessed. It's, it's heartless. He then continued to search Hottest Fire for someone who just murdered someone. And after this search, police found that he also took pictures of Grace right after he took her life. And then, to sum it all up, he starts looking at porn. He also manages to search large bags near me, rigor mortis, flesh-eating birds, which are vultures in New Zealand. And also, he googled Grace's name in the next few days, trying to see what was in the news. Despite the obvious searches in the CCTV footage, he still denied that he ever meant to kill Grace. But even though he never admitted to killing Grace on purpose, this sick individual was charged with murder on November 22, 2019.
3: Saturday night in December last year, Grace Mullane went back with the defendant to his apartment. She died there. A couple of days later, the defendant buried her body on Scenic Drive out in the Waitakere's. None of this is in dispute. What is in dispute is how she died, and that's what you're here to consider but of course it's what happened inside the room that counts he put sustained pressure on her neck the point where blood was coming from her nose. In the early hours of that morning before the trip out to the Waitakere Ranges to bury Ms Mullane, Mr (coughs) has searched pornographic websites, he's taken photos of Ms (coughs). Mullane's he's flipped back to watching more pornography He's confirmed a date with another woman. He's gone shopping for a suitcase and the necessary cleaning products. And he's attempted to clean up the mess in his apartment and gone back to the supermarket for a rug doctor so he could complete the task. And of course, he's put Ms Mullane's body in a suitcase.
2: Some punga trees all the way around. It's a native bush. And to me, it looked like they'd been broken off and placed on top of uh, an area And they were piled on there haphazardly. The soil was excavated from the scene. You can see the back of the...
1: Now you may have noticed when listening to this clip that the name was bleeped out. The face of the accused killer, who we know as Jesse Kempson, was also hidden. Well, his identity had been suppressed in New Zealand by the courts to give him a fair trial. So legally, any New Zealand media outlets were not able to share who this killer was. However, the protected name and face of Grace Millane's killer was being shared all over the UK and ended up on social media in New Zealand. So although he was granted this suppression, the court order was being disregarded for obvious reasons. And the pushback of making this monster known didn't change the court's mind. Instead, they sent out warnings that it was a crime to identify the accused killer, leaving one person to be charged. It wasn't until December of 2020, two years from when Grace met her killer, that his identity was revealed legally. Along with that, it was also revealed that he had a total of nine other charges, including rape, sexual assault, and threatening to kill with a knife, relating to two other women a former partner and a woman he met on Tinder. Many of the previous dates that met Jesse on Tinder have experienced the lies and then the violence once he got them behind closed doors. Some women even felt in danger when he would get drunk and get angry. However, their cases didn't get attention until Grace's case. The woman he met on Tinder in 2017 said that he met her at a vulnerable time of her life. She stated that he gave this story about his wealthy life coming from a wealthy family, but strangely didn't have access to any of his money because his account was frozen. So she would always be lending him money. Other than the lies, she experienced a frightening instance that still haunts her. The time he angrily held a knife up to her throat, threatening to kill her. When she attempted to run, he caught her and put her in a chokehold. She was forced into doing sexual acts on him that, quote, made her feel as though a piece of her died that night, end quote. But it was something that she came numb to. She was able to be granted a protection order against him. When seeing him on the news, even though his identity was blurred, she had a gut feeling it was him. Another woman who met Jesse on Tinder eight months before Grace was murdered kept her experiences a secret. She was afraid and left in the dark. She recognized him from the media and went to the police. She expressed that she would wake up crying and screaming, reliving the nightmares Jesse put her through, seeing his angry face, his eyes popping out of his head. She was afraid he would come to find her. The Hurt family of Grace Mullane felt the name suppression of the man who killed Grace was a way for people to remember Grace, instead of bringing the attention to this man who killed her. During court, the accused killer's defense was what you would expect, said to be an accident. And okay, if you have thoughts that maybe this was an accident, maybe he had a little too much to drink and went a little too far on the choking thing. but. He held her throat for that long of a time until blood came from her nose, not even feeling one ounce of care for Grace. The searches, the fact that he went on another date after killing Grace while her body lays on his apartment floor is sickening. And the fact that he went on to take pictures of her naked while she was dead He needs to be locked up. He shouldn't even have been given the benefit of the doubt. He's a monster, a criminal. Makes me angry that he probably felt powerful after her death. And then he has the audacity to yell at the judge in front of the family that they were full of shit. Grace did not deserve this. Her family didn't deserve to sit in this courtroom, looking this killer in the eyes, listening to the defense, throw out claims that this was a Fifty Shades of Grey situation, that she asked for this. I really don't have any words for that. Does that not make you feel so angry? He took an innocent life and appears to not really be affected by that fact and possibly still doesn't. He's probably sitting in jail right now, feeling sorry for himself because he didn't mean to do this. The man who murdered Grace Mullane will spend at least 17 years behind bars before he's eligible for early release. The 28-year-old strangled the British backpacker in
3: his central Auckland apartment after they met for a Tinder date on the eve of her
1: 22nd birthday. There was an eerie silence in the... In court, her mother, Jillian Mullane, went on to explain how torn and heartbroken her and her family are because of what this man did. I am absolutely heartbroken that you have taken my daughter's
2: future and robbed me of so many more memories that we were going
1: to create. As the court watches in silence, she holds up the last photo taken of her beautiful young daughter, Grace, with her family at graduation. And she explains that she looks at this very photo of every minute of every day. She wishes that she could have traded places with her and feels guilty about it, that she wasn't there to protect her. A feeling no mother should ever have to feel. Grace's mother shares that there were times where she felt like she could take her own life, but it would just add to the pain of her already suffering family.
2: How am I meant to get up and get on with
1: my days?
2: is it's just another day. I won't speak to her.
1: Sadly, Grace's father passed away from cancer a month before Jesse would face further convictions.
2: I will miss my darling Grace until the last breath when my body leaves me. The laughter, the conversations, the memories—you will never be forgotten,
0: Molly. You will always be my sunshine. Thank
1: you. After this episode, I think this mama needs a drink. <laughs> this completes this week's episode.
0: Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding? That was perfect.